Welcome to our CyberWise Chats, where we talk about the challenges of raising and teaching digital kids. I'm Diana Graber, author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics. Join every episode with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Our always lively conversations tackle topics like cyberbullying, screen time, TikTok, and everything in between. We've got some great guests and promise each chat will give you the tips, tricks, and confidence you need to help kids use technology safely and wisely. All right. So welcome. Hi guys, how are you? Hey. Nice to see you today. This beautiful Thursday here in California. We have like summer weather. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, so welcome everybody to do today's CyberWise chat. I'm Diana Graber. I'm the author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics. Here as always with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Um, also here is CJ Lindsay. He is our resident children's media expert and producer of our new podcast. Um, he'll be here fielding your questions today. So he's got a bunch already. Um, if you would like to add more questions as we go along, please put them in the chat box. As you know, today we're gonna to be talking about Kids War and TikTok. We'll be describing what kids are watching on their currently favorite app, how it may be affecting their well-being, how much of this content is misinformation or disinformation, and what parents can do about it. But first, I'd like to kick us off, Pam, I hope this is okay with you. I'm gonna read a short excerpt out of a really wonderful blog post you wrote, I think two weeks ago for Psychology Today. This really sets the stage for what we're gonna be talking about. So TikTok is full of raw gritty videos of people crying in windowless shelters and explosions demolishing entire buildings. Ukrainian influencers are abandoning fashion and beauty to document the damage they see now. As we would expect on TikTok, the content is emphasized with captions, overlays, and animations to make the meaning clear. Soldiers upload videos from the front line dancing to rock music against the stark realities of war. Unlike Instagram, TikTok's algorithm delivers trending content based on preferences and views, not followers, making it easier for war videos to go viral quickly. So we're going to talk about all that today. And uh, CJ, I'm going to go to you. What do you have for us? Yeah, I, let's start with uh, just kind of a general, like, what is TikTok, uh, how it works, kind of uh, give us a, a groundwork first. I'll let you take that, Pam. Well, TikTok is a relatively new application that has just exploded, especially during the pandemic, because it really encourages people to create short videos, share their point of view. It's become very popular with young kids. Obviously, I think what is 180% growth during COVID. The average age is very young, although we're hearing more and more millennials are migrating um, over to TikTok. So it the length of the video is contained, but it's a it feels like a very sort of random pool, but you can find anything. You just search and swipe and carry on. So it allows for both recorded and live videos. And um, it's now, it feels very authentic and very, um, very real compared to what people are used to seeing now with the sort of posed Instagram. So I think a part of that appeal is that it increased that sense of social connection during the COVID. Yeah, and a couple um, tidbits of information that I think is really interesting is I, I, I read somewhere that um, kids between four, which breaks my heart, and 15 now spend an average of 80 minutes a day on TikTok. 
And part of that is just so engaging, yet video after video is fed to you based on your preferences. Um, the other thing that's made it really popular right now during your Ukraine war is this feature the, that they can do live video, and, and that's really appealing to people who want to share their stories. And whereas it really started out as this lip-syncing fun dance app, it has changed so much. There is so much information on the app. There's a lot of influencers. There's a lot of fashion tips. So we covered earlier this year, uh, TikTok challenges. That's very popular. So really used for a lot of different purposes. Um, I, I think that if you have a child at all interested in TikTok, you need to go on it yourself to see what it's all about. Uh, there's nothing better than experiencing it to understand what it does. Yeah, and sharing that experience. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Let's, uh, you know, one of the reasons that TikTok is as successful as it is, is the, is the algorithm. Can you give us a, a little bit of uh, information on how that works? Well, you know, if we had the answer to that, we'd be really smart because a lot of- <laughs> And rich. Yeah, we'd be rich too, because that's the thing. Okay, first of all, it's a Chinese owned company and a lot of people really don't understand how the algorithm works exactly. But in, in a basic sense, first of all, an algorithm, it's not a big scary thing. It's just a set of instructions. And the set of instructions on TikTok is designed to serve content based on what it thinks you like. So there's a couple of ways it does this. Um, super different from the other apps. It's not based on follower count or whether you had high performing videos. Um, so kind of the main feature in TikTok is the for you page. When you open up the app, it's gonna give you videos that thinks you like based on your preferences and what you watched before and also based on what are the most popular videos. Um, it's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, uh, I have TikTok, I look at it a lot. I don't think the algorithm knows me at all because I don't know why it gives me what it gives me. But I think maybe I don't use it as much as, you know, those numbers I just told you about where with a child, they'd be looking at, you know, how long they spend with a particular video, who they, what other kinds of content they're looking at, what things they like, et cetera. Did I miss anything? You know, well, no, I was just going to say that the one thing that's really different about uh, the use you describe, and, and I, you know, I'm similar, is and, and kids, is that kids are very curious. Yes. So I might be going on there, and I'm going, eh, I don't like that, I don't like that. And kids are going, oh, what is that? And they're looking for things that their friends talked about. And so they're really deep diving in all kinds of different ways. And because TikTok responds to that, it serves up all kinds of things, which means that you don't really know where your kid's going to end up because you don't know what they're searching for, or who, you know, or how, or how they're all linked together. And I think kids like that because you don't know what you're going to get next. So it's kind okay. of exciting to see what it's going to feed you. Um, a Easter egg hunt. Articles, <laughs> there's a couple of really good articles and perhaps CJ will have a minute to put it in, in the chat box. But recent Wall Street Journal report demonstrated how TikTok relies heavily on how much time you spend watching each video to steer you toward more videos that will keep you scrolling. They think this is what makes some kids fall down a rabbit hole of misinformation. Another great article in the New York Times says, in the pursuit of the company's ultimate goal of adding daily active users, which is really the pursuit of all these social media companies, they chose to optimize for two things, retention and time spent. So really all these apps, you know, they make money by eyeballs. So they're really working on these algorithms to feed viewers what they think we want in order to keep us engaged. And with kids, it's working. Yeah, and I think that's where what you do with cyber civics is so powerful, because by explaining the algorithm, you can let kids understand how much of what their behavior is, is part of what they're seeing and part of that algorithm. And that's incredibly empowering. You know what? And kids hate to be duped. Like once they can <laughs> behind the screen, like the Oz behind whatever, 
behind the screen, they're like, you know what? I want control. I want to be the determination of my destiny, even online. And so it really gives kids a sense of empowerment to understand how algorithms work, how to curate your feeds, how to decide what content is feeding you, the information you actually want. So I, I love turning kids on to all that. Wonderful. I just I just want to add that I had uh, in in my profession, I try and get kids to watch certain things. And I have found that if I try and be like clever and kind of like, hey, with my language, they just go, no, yeah. I don't. I don't want to be, I don't want to be duped. I don't want to be marketed to do. I'm, I'm the determinant of my own destiny. Yeah. All right. Uh, it kind of next question, kind of the meat of, of kind of what we're talking about here is uh, where do kids get their news uh, and what type of news are they seeing on TikTok specifically? Well, you know, we, we've been seeing numbers that at least half of teenagers are getting news um, on social media and TikTok is one of the biggest maps being used. So it's no surprise that they're seeing um, they're seeing the war on TikTok. And I think what's really remarkable about TikTok, you know, good or bad, is that it's very immediate. It's real time. So if you if you wanted to know about the Ukraine invasion, then you would go and see real-time events. You don't have to wait for it to be curated by the news. You also see it created by people who are talking the same language. And what I mean is they're talking kid talk. You know, they've, they break it down. They make it very simple. They, you know, tell you what's good. They make fun of, I mean, currently they're busy making fun of Putin. I can't remember what they call it. You, you mentioned it the other day. Flatty daddy. Flatty daddy. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, so they're talking about it like this, but they're still creating a narrative about what's going on overseas. And so it's that translation that makes it very powerful. Yeah, they, they really do have their insider language. And I, I'm so lucky that I still teach cyber civics because I get to hear it every day. In fact, I heard the word stand being used a lot in a little game I played with the kids just yesterday. And I wanted to share that about Vladdy Daddy because I read kids online took an un unorthodox approach to calling for peace, flooding Vladimir Putin's stand account. So those of you who don't know what that means, it means a stalker account which is funny because I hear he doesn't use social media. But anyway, they went onto Instagram and TikTok with comments attempting to seduce the leader out of war. Things like, Vladdy Daddy, please no war, or I'll give you $5 and a foot rub if you don't start another war, Vladdy Daddy. So as weird as it sounds, that hashtag Vladdy Daddy had 45.5 million views on TikTok on Thursday, while searches for terms such as World War III increased sixfold since Wednesday. So again, insider stuff, this is what the kids, they're curious, you know, they, they hear us talking about this horrible war and they're turning to the places where they spend most of their time to learn more about it. But Pam, maybe you can explain why this is a weird place, in my view anyway, to go for for news. Well, it's a weird place to go for news because you don't know what kind of news that you're getting, but at the same time, it's crafting a clear narrative. And the thing about a short form content is that you very quickly decide who's a hero and who's a villain. And there's all kinds of Zelensky edits, you know, sort of fan cams of, of Zelensky promoting him as the hero, but it's also showing you some real hardship in a way that you don't see on the news. So, so a lot of these kids have been following influencers who have been showing makeup or fashion, and now they're seeing that same person who's very real to them in a bomb shelter. Mm 
And even though it's made up to match a, a TikTok challenge, you know, it's, um, it's very, uh, it creates a certain amount of empathy for people that would not happen otherwise. You know, why do they get it there? Because it's short and it's entertaining and you can move through it quickly. And it's creative. I mean, the producers who are making this stuff use all the tools that TikTok offers, you know, the little animations and captions and hashtags and music is a big part of it. And for me, that's what's so jarring. You know, I, this morning I spent quite a lot of time embarrassingly uh, going through TikTok, you know, I'm like a 12 year old here, uh, going through TikTok to just looking at the war footage. And it's just weird because you see somebody, I mean, honestly, folks, like there's dead bodies and stuff set to current music. And that's what a lot of kids will use current music because it helps them get more viewers evidently. Um, so you, it's just like, you don't know how to feel. Like you, you see it's such a depressing image. And then uh, here's an example this morning. It was a soldier that had evidently just shot down a Russian helicopter and he was dancing like to some happy music. So how do you feel about that? You know, it's just, it's hard to contextualize it. Um, and, and again, I always go back to like, I think where we've come from, like in the old days, our news was delivered on the television in the living room by Walter Cronkite, who, you know, had editors vet it and we all talked about it. And we have slowly come from that to now news that there's no editors, no one's like making sure if it's true or even real. And there are kids alone in their bedrooms watching it without mom or dad, they're explaining what's going on. So we've come a long way, really. Well, the fact that the White House invited a handful of TikTok influencers to brief them on the Ukraine invasion shows you how powerful this application is for making uh, for creating an understanding about what's going on out there. Right. So it's really defining the process. And I think it's it's important for, for all of us to remember, especially when we're sucked into some, you know, a TikTok video is that our brain is predisposed to look for movement, to look for new things. And there are those videos, flip, flip, flip. It's our brains hardwired to look for things that are unusual or scary because that's how it are, we are kept our sa uh, safe. The other thing is that the brain processes information of videos and pictures 60,000 times faster than text. Think about how much information is in 10 seconds of a video. I mean, it's really remarkable. It would take you three pages to write down everything that you could learn from a video like that. So we think that that, that, that makes it incredibly powerful. But I also wanna suggest that the pop music and some of the humor allows us to have some distance and process a very difficult thing. So while some people interpret that as making fun or making light, it's a little bit like humor allows us to think about things that are very hard and try and put them in context so that we can actually process them rather than ignore them. Yeah, that, that's such a good point. And that kind of brings us to the next question, I think that CJ's got lined up here. Yeah, um, and it, I'm actually going to uh, throw it to a question that we just received, um, which uh, kind of falls into line with what you're talking about, which is, can you speak to the desensitization, oh, sorry, uh, speak to the desensitization based on the violence and damage from a PST, uh, PTSD standpoint, as well as the misinformation. So um, let, let's kind of, let's break it into two parts and talk about the 
uh, what kids are watching, how it may affect them, and um, what they're experiencing when they see these images. Yeah, I'm going to let Pam talk to that psychologically, but I'm going to give you a real world example first. Um, last week, I think it was, I was uh, in one of the classes, I was giving my sixth graders a test on cyberbullying, and I told them that they could refer to their notes to do the test. So this one boy in the front row, he said, I am way too tired to walk to my cubby to get my notes. I'm like, why are you so tired? He said, I was up till one o'clock watching TikTok. And I said, well, what were you watching that kept you so engaged? He goes, I saw this little boy and he was leaving Ukraine all by himself and he was crying. And it made me so depressed, I couldn't fall asleep. So yeah, can't make this stuff up folks. And I, I've seen that video since. It is just, you, I, I try to watch it and try to fall asleep yourself because it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it is heartbreaking. And I think bef before everyone gets all anxious, right? We, we need to understand that people respond to things differently, right? And that's, that's true of children as well. However, children don't have the ability to separate um, fact from fantasy. So they have a hard time understanding what they're seeing. So they may misinterpret it and take it all as a joke or they may become very anxious and worry that we're going into World War III. I, one uh, child who wanted to know if, if we should build a, a bomb shelter because you know, there might be nuclear war. So they don't really know how to explain what's going on in terms of their own worldview. But let me step back a second and explain secondary trauma or PTSD is, and it's, and it's PTSD is something that happens to you directly. So we're talking about here secondary trauma where you witness something that someone else is going through or you hear something and it sticks with you just as, as Diana was describing with her student. And it becomes sort of reoccurring and ruminating um, so that it triggers all kinds of negative emotions and can be those same things can come up again when, um, when another similar event happens. The best protection for PTSD, secondary trauma, when you're talking about kids seeing this kind of uh, violence in the media, and the Ukraine war is not the first violence on media that we've seen, you know, just to point out here, but is to, first of all, make sure that they have critical thinking. We talk about that all the time. The other is to prepare them, make sure that they know they're gonna be seeing some hard stuff so they can choose. Because if they're taken by surprise, it's much more jarring than if you prepared them ahead of time. And the other thing you can do is you can help a child build resilience. And this isn't just for violent videos, this is for getting through school and you know success in life, but it's helping them build on their own strength so that they feel that they've got some power and empowerment to turn off the video to, and so that they have solutions in their toolbox of, of how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, you want me to talk about desensitization or you well, want to, I was going to say just really quick too. It's so important to consider where kids are age-wise. When I read that research that kids as young at four are spending that kind of time on TikTok, you know, young kids have a really hard time dist distinguishing reality from fantasy. And so they're looking at this stuff, not able to make any sense out of it whatsoever. So, I mean, gosh, there's so many good, other good reasons to keep kids under 13 from using this app. This is just a great reason. You know, they're just not ready for the disturbing. I'm disturbed by what I see on there. And I know that for a young child, that must be very unsettling or confusing. All right. And, and I think that's a challenge for parents because TikTok is very well known and it's very popular 
under age 13, you know, I would say from what, eight, nine, when they start getting, you know, their social antenna up, up to 13, that it becomes um, sort of a destination resort. And the more they're not supposed to do it, the more fun it seems. So I think it's, you know, engaging with your kid and watching what they're watching. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about desensitization to violence. This has been a huge debate in psychology since we started having mass media, right? And, and there are people on both sides and they're arguing, but the evidence suggests that there really isn't long-term desensitization to violence in things like violent video games, like we all used to worry about, but individual differences matter. So children who are predisposed to you know, aggression or predisposed to um, those kinds of uh, behaviors may be more vulnerable to that kind of desensitization. But it's important to put these things in context for your kids and talk about them to bring that sort of into reality. Is this what you think people should do? You know, what is this, what does this mean to you? So that you can have those conversations so that you can understand where their brain is taking this idea. But, you know, uh, in general, the research is so varied and how they're measuring violence it differs so much. You yeah. really can't draw a standard conclusion. Yeah, and honestly, scrolling through it, it has the feel of a video game because so many of these images are similar to video game images and I've, some of the audio is taken from video games. So it's very confusing. So again, your advice is so spot on, Pam. I mean, spend some time scrolling through it with your child. If this is where they're getting their news about a major world event, it's a great opportunity for you to see how they're getting it. It's interesting. And then to talk to them about it. And I know we're going to talk about misinformation in a minute. That, that's a really big part of this puzzle. Yeah, so let's jump to the second, second part of that question, uh, which is mis, misinformation. And then uh, also let's talk about disinformation and like what's the difference and why it's important to know the difference. Uh, and and yeah, let's let's go let's go to that part. CJ, if it's okay, I'm going to back up just a tad because I see the yeah. second part of that question was about the influencers, and that's a really important question. I don't know if any of you are Saturday Night Live watchers like I am, but they did the, a funny skit a few weeks back about the White House inviting all these TikTok stars that were like ten years old to the White House to brief them on the war so they could go back and tell their followers all about it. I thought it was made up, but lo and behold, it really did happen. The White House invited TikTok influencers, briefed them on the war, and then those kids went out and gave them, you know, actual fact-checked information, which I think was really smart because, you know, it's finally, you know, we've got like this kind of direct link to actual information. So that kind of sets the stage. I know, I think it was Amy had a question if they're hired by the White House. I do not know that. Um, my belief was they actually invited some of the top influencers to deliver this. Yeah, yeah. And, and they'll get paid inadvertently anyway, just through popularity. But it was very interesting watching a couple of the videos from some of these kids and how they they were actually going through what they had heard and they were questioning it. And they were saying, well, you know, they said this about this, but what, what about this here at home? So they're actually doing some thinking. So I want to make sure people don't think that all of this stuff on TikTok is goofy or trash. Yeah. There's some very thoughtful dialogues going on, but you, you know, you, they, that's sort of mixed in with sharing sheep and, you yeah. know, dancing and, you know, challenges. That, and that part of media literacy is teaching your kids to be very 
you know, thoughtful about who they follow and what they watch in order to curate their feeds in such a way that it gives them what they actually want. And um, we'll talk about this in a minute. There's some people that I follow, kids that are doing really good job teaching other kids about misinformation. And so I'll give you that, that info in just a moment. Maybe you can encourage your own kids to follow these people. All right, CJ, what's next? Yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk about misinformation uh, and disinformation and what's the difference. So I, I, I pulled some very um, easy definitions there because they're very different. So disinformation, uh, it's false information deliberately and often covertly spread, which we've heard Russia is doing in regards to this war and has done in the past. Misinformation is incorrect or misleading information presented as fact either intentionally or unintentionally. So they're both harmful, I think. Uh, but it's really important to understand the difference between the two and to understand a lot of this is happening on TikTok. Um, there's a lot of footage that's old footage that didn't happen now. There's a lot of footage cut with audio that is not the actual audio that goes with the footage. There's things that are just completely from left field. Why would people do this? Well, again, part of the allure of using TikTok is you want to get as many people like watching your stuff as possible. So you might augment stuff that you have with better audio, with more engaging footage. So a lot of this misinformation is done for that reason. Did I miss anything there, Pam? No, I don't think so. I mean, one, one example is a video that got uh, hundreds of thousands of views that turned out to be taken from uh, a video game. Of a, you know, with everyone was saying, oh, here's the, you know, Russian missile, and it turned out it came from a, a video game. So it's, you know, that kind of um, critical thinking is really essential when you're trying to make sense out of, um, out of news on an app like this. Right. And I wanted to share um, a little bit of research done by NewsGuard, which is a journalism and technology tool that rates the credibility of news and information on websites and tracks misinformation. Uh, their research showed that TikTok is feeding false and misleading content about the war in Ukraine to users with, within 40 minutes of their signing up to the app, regardless of whether they run any searches on the platform. Moreover, they found that searching for generic terms related to the conflict like Ukraine, Donbass, led to TikTok suggesting multi, multiple videos that contain disinformation in its top 20 results. So this is important because TikTok doesn't really help you verify if something's false or true. So um, boy, there's so many ways that you can help kids to do this. Number one, make sure your schools are teaching media literacy. <laughs> I know when we cover fake news misinformation, it's a year long course because there's so many things to talk about. At the very, very minimum, when your child and you are watching the video together and you wonder if it's true, look to see who the author is. Look that person up. Is it a credible person? Is it somebody just that you've never heard of before? You've got to check your source and make sure it's a verifiable source. And then I told you I was going to share some really great people that I love for kids to follow. Um, Abby Richards is like a one-person misinformation fighting machine. She's great. She's got like half a million followers and all this, but she, she explains misinformation to kids in a way they can understand it. Abby Richards is her name. The second one is a site called, or a, uh, something called Verify This. They have 22.8 thousand followers, but they report on what is misinformation on the app. So, and the other thing too, if you find something with your child, if they find something that's not true or misinformation on the app, they can report it to TikTok. And, and that's important to do because think about how that app works. You record something, you hit a button, it's on instantaneously. 
the best moderators and the best algorithms in the world cannot catch up with instantaneous content. So we have to give it some help. This really empowers kids to know how to do this, that if they find something that's not true, they can report it. And that's a great way for them to engage with the media that they're using and to feel a sense of empowerment. Yeah, I think that's that's really important, especially when kids are getting information from an influencer, which is going to be someone that they inherently trust because, you know, they like them or they've been following them. And I would suggest to parents, don't hesitate to ask your kids, well, let's see where else we can find that news. You know, is it, you know, is it on, you know, the New York Times website? Is it, you know, is it in Google? So that, so that they start understanding that, these days, we all have to triangulate information. We can't take really anything at face value when it's coming across social media channels. That fast, I know. It's coming at us fast and furious. And again, kids, are, you know, all of us will tend to watch the things that are most engaging, as Pam described earlier. And sometimes that stuff is not the most true stuff. And remember too, for children, that critical thinking takes a long time to develop. <clears throat> there was another study that done by UNICEF that found up to 75% of children feel unable to judge the accuracy of information they find online. This was especially true for children in the 9 to 11 and 12 to 14 year old age groups, the same age group beginning to use social media. So they need our help understanding how to decipher fake news. We also on our website, we have a great fake news video that you're welcome to share with your kids. Um, CJ, I don't, I don't know if I sent you the link to it. I don't remember if I did or not, but you can find it on the CyberWise YouTube page. We have all of our student videos posted there. Welcome to scroll through there, but there's one specifically on fake news. Wonderful. So uh, let me ask so that, uh, you know, there's kind of a lot of doom and gloom. So let's talk about what are the what are the upsides of, of TikTok, uh, kind of more the more the positive side of it. The more the positive side. Well, one of the upsides of TikTok and all kinds of social media is that kids are using them, right? Which we are all know, which means they are more aware of the, sort of the global environment and their their role as you know a member of of a larger community than than just their neighborhood or just their school. So that's a very positive thing. The other thing that's really good about videos is that it makes the it increases empathy because the videos show real people doing real things. And in many cases, uh, there are videos giving them ideas about how to get involved and how to make a difference. Not so much on the war, but on things like global warming and, you know, um, recycling and, you know, all of those, those kinds of social issues. Uh, there's a lot of information that's really pretty inspiring for kids and gives them good ideas. So I think it's important to remember that nothing is all bad. It's a question of the, your diet and how much of what you're eating. Yeah, and I think the creativity aspect is not to be scoffed at. I mean, kids are really creatively using these tools and the fact that they are interested in current events. And I see the empathy firsthand. It's lovely to see kids know that this is not some you know, war, what does that mean? But to see that there's actual people being impacted by that and maybe encouraging their parents to donate or to get involved in some manner. I mean, that's all good stuff. <clears throat> yeah, no, I when right when it first started, uh, one of the kids came home and said, hey, you know, we could rent a, a Ukraine house on Airbnb to give somebody in Ukraine, um, you know, some, some revenue with, you know, we aren't going to show up, but you know, that way they get the money. So there were all kinds of creative ideas circulating I think that are really important. And 
the worst thing a parent can do is say, oh, that's TikTok. That means it's stupid and dumb and that information's no good because you will cut your conversation off. And what you're really hoping to do is open conversations all the time so that you can discuss what's meaningful to them and put it in the context of your own values and knowledge. Right, because this stuff isn't going away. <laughs> you know, no matter what we say to you here in this little time we have together is not gonna change the amount of time kids spend with TikTok but it might change the way you help your kids use TikTok. Lovely. Uh, so, so two last questions. One's a quick one that we just received. Uh, it says, this is such a powerful discussion. Do you offer content or presentations we can receive to hold parent educational lunches and learns for our communities? Oh, well, CJ, you can answer that question. <laughs> Where can you find all these talks? <laughs> yes. Um, well, first of all, uh, this is now a podcast. So anything that we've talked about in the past, you can listen to at any time. Um, and then uh, all of the, the, the CyberWise websites and the, the CyberCivics website as well also have just loads of information. Um, something that uh, actually brought me into this whole uh, CyberWise group is the amount of just free information that Diana and team put out there. Um, it's all on the website. Uh, you can you can grab anything you want. And uh, there's also, if you are looking for at-home discussions, there is a CyberCivics um, at at-home uh, curriculum that you can that you can purchase to share with your family as well as you know small. It, it works really well for small communities. Uh, and I will share that link in a second, but I want to, I want to ask the last question so we can get. I, I'll just say one more thing. I know I'm great. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We do sure. offer parent presentations through CyberWise. You're welcome to reach out and I can tell you more about that. Great. Uh, and then the, the last question is, uh, what are your top tips for parents in kind of handling all of this? I know you got a long one, Pam. I'll let you go first. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the first one is is talk often, talk always. In other words, start these conversations about technology, all kinds of ways. If you see something in the news, use that as a teaching moment to reflect back on you know, what it means in social media so that there's all kinds of ways that you can establish a bond of trust because that's what you need. Because when they have a question or when something goes amiss, you need them to trust you. And the other thing that I'll just focus on and then I'll turn it over to you, Diana, is that in the case of violence on, in media and especially during the Ukraine war, really focus on preparation and resilience because that's really going to keep the child from being upset for more than, you know, uh, in, in any kind of long-term way, because that's so important and it will, resilience, self-regulation, all those things are the biggest determinants of life success, not just surviving TikTok that you can do. So I would say lean into that. Yeah, those are great tips. And, and just to add on to that, <clears throat> as I said before, get to know TikTok yourself. I mean, this is important for every adult to do, I think, to understand you know, where content is coming from today. Um, and then, you know, help your children understand how, that they can curate their feeds. They can be deciding for themselves what they want to watch. Of course, as I always say, we should be teaching this stuff in school. Please check out CyberCivics. Um, know that your kids are old enough to use the app is an important one. Know they can report distressing misinformation. And here's a big one for parents. You might have noticed that all these apps are starting to add more parental controls. TikTok has some very good ones. So you should check them out. Not so great in the content area, but screen time and all that they offer. But the reason they're adding these parental controls is because finally they're getting pressured to do so. 
So please remember that when you give your children's eyeballs to TikTok, you're giving them a valuable commodity. They deserve, you are their client. So speak up, let Congress know, let TikTok know directly what you want and what you expect to be changed. So you can do that by reporting things, by making your voice heard. So, and again, you're showing your kids how to be like a productive participant in our media culture. So super right. important to do that. Oh, Wonderful. I, I have something, one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> so CJ, he's very shy. He's not gonna tell you this himself, but he actually has a very important role. He's the content manager of kids programming for HBO Max. He is going to launch what I am super excited about is another part to the Cyberwise Chats, another podcast um, that will talk more about what kids are actually watching. He's gonna tell you about it in just a moment, but this is really for our families that um, are struggling with actually what our kids are watching, not just on their apps, but also on television. So CJ, take it away. Yeah, so um, kind of my background coming from uh, HBO Max is I've, I've worked with some of the, the, the largest entertainment uh, brands for kids media. Uh, and so I came into CyberWise to uh, kind of try and be the, the streaming, the kids content streaming person. And uh, with that, I found that uh, there's a lot of questions about uh, what what kids are watching. So I'm going to start a uh, CyberWise podcast uh, that's a parent's guide to what kids watch, where we kind of dive more into the more nuanced potential effects of the the media that your kids are mostly streaming uh, with so much content out there. There's so, so many things. Uh, and it, it's something that I wish I had uh, growing up and something that I knew, I know my parents wish they had for me uh, growing up. And uh and so we will dive into uh, not so much the, uh, the kind of the basic rating system, but more of like the emotional kind of effects that some of this media can have, uh, relationships with authority figures and empathy and self-confidence and, and that kind of thing uh, to, to talk about all of the media that your kids can potentially watch and the good and potentially some of the, the other consequences that can come from it. So look forward to that. Yeah, stay tuned. We're very excited about that. So thank you, CJ. And thank you, Pam. And um, next time we are going to talk about screen time. <laughs> have to do it. But uh, hopefully we'll come at it at a completely different angle. And we have two very interesting and exciting guests that we'll announce shortly. Um, but thank you all so much for joining us today. Um, hope to see you next month. Thank you both, Pam and CJ. And as you know, okay. you can always find this on our CyberWise chat page on our website and also in our new podcast available on all the podcasts platforms out there so just look for cyberwise chats have i forgotten anything are we good all right guys thank you everyone have a great day thank you so much for your time mm -hmm. bye bye have a great day